What country brews the most beer in the world? And wouldn't you know it, it was a politician <laughs> who was the first person to get off on a murder charge by pleading temporary insanity. Really? We'll tell you the story. <laughs> Coming up in this episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, and take a side road to sanity with fascinating facts and tantalizing trivia. And Marcia, this is our 200th episode. Holy cow. How to believe. 200 times. What is that? Fireworks I hear? Are you putting off fireworks over yes, there? Yes, I've got a few fireworks okay. going off. Look at that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> hey, there's a big one. No, it sparks on my microphone, honey. Aren't Shut they it down. Pretty, Shut it though? down. I think they're really gorgeous. Too much. Too much. Okay. Kind of scares you, huh? That you do it in the office. Yes. 200 shows, Bob. Yes. I did it as a pity project for you and Cole. COVID started, and now I'm in 100%. I had done about 30 episodes of this podcast, and then COVID hit, and out of pity for Marcia, <laughs> COVID hit, and I thought, why don't we do something together as a creative project? We It'd weren't be going nice out to of do the that. house. Nobody then. was going anywhere. So we were going to be here. Let's just start doing this. And it's kind of fun stuff. You know, it was so depressing back then. Yeah. And it was like, well, let's just focus on interesting facts and things. And uh, so that's how we got started. And now 200 episodes later, here we are. That means 100 hours of us are out there in the ether. Since yes. the episodes are a half yeah. hour apiece. That's right. That We're talking nonstop. You could go 24-7, 100 hours of us talking back yeah. and forth. <laughs> yeah. You get sick <laughs> and you're bored, can't sleep. We're with you. <laughs> <laughs> At least for at least for 100 hours. We do actually encourage you, if you like our show, to go back and listen to any of our previous episodes because none of them really are related to the specific time we do them. They're kind of timeless yeah. historical and trivial information. Yeah. Marcia has actually been on the the show from the start. You were on many of the first 30 episodes. Was we did I? little trivia things oh. on music and oh. some other stuff. Okay. But we really turned it into a trivia show in March of 2020 when the COVID shutdown occurred. Yeah. And we've been going at it ever since, so it's fun. It is fun. Speaking of fun, you have a question on beer? Of course. What country brews the most beer in the world? What country brews the most beer in the world? And it's not the United States? No. It isn't? No. Could it be Ireland? No. Or England? No. Oh. I would have said Germany. Okay, yeah, that would be a good one. But it's not it either. Is it in Europe? It's the Czech Republic. I was going to say Czech. Were you? I was, because I know they're great for beer. Not only that, they have been the leader in beer consumption for over 30 years, Bob. Wow. So this isn't a brand new title. <laughs> in, in 2021, check this, the average Czech drank more than 49 gallons of beer. Oh, uh, my goodness. That's 184 liters. In They're, one year? Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> Think of a gallon of milk. Uh, 49 gallons of beer a year. Seems like per a person. lot of beer. Per person. Yeah, my goodness. The Republic is known for its affordable beer, which in some parts of the country, Bob, is cheaper than water. Wow. <laughs> that says something. Yeah. Okay. What do you got over there? I, I'm curious to know what president got away with murder. I didn't say it was a president. A politician oh, was the first person to get off on a murder charge oh. by pleading temporary insanity. So how did a congressman help establish this? Would you like to know the story? 
I'd like to know the answer first. This comes from Britannica.com. In 1859, New York Congressman Daniel Sickles found out that his wife, Teresa, was cheating on him with a friend. Uh And the friend wasn't just anybody. He was Washington, D.C.'s district attorney, Philip Barton Key, who is the son of Francis Scott Key, who wrote the Star-Spangled Banner. Uh Key was actually a friend of both Sickles. He frequently accompanied Mrs. Sickles to entertainment events, but her husband was unaware of the affair. How did he find out? Through an anonymous note. (laughs) The anonymous note says that, quote, Key hangs a string out the window as a signal to her that he is in and leaves the door unfastened, and she walks in. And he apparently also signaled his availability with white handkerchiefs. (laughs) Isn't that weird? Well, Congressman Sickle confronted his wife, Teresa, who admitted to the affair. He insisted she write out a confession, and the severity of her despair convinced him that the district attorney had taken advantage of his young wife. So he's trying to figure out what to do. Well, two days later, while he was in his house brainstorming with friends about what to do about Key, he spotted his wife's lover in front of his house trying to signal her with a white handkerchief. Not too subtle. This is on Lafayette Square, right in the middle of Washington, D.C. Oh, for God's sake. So Sickles barged out the door onto the sidewalk. He saw him coming and extended his hand saying, how are you? (laughs) But Sickles was enraged. He shouted, you villain, you have dishonored my house and you must die. The congressman pulled out a pistol from his pocket and shot Key twice. He died in broad daylight on their sidewalk right there in Lafayette Square. Holy. When the missus, did she witness all this? I don't think she witnessed it, but she was very much in despair, of course. The murder was a national sensation. Now, we're talking 1859, but this Uh was talked about everywhere. Here's a quote from a newspaper. This dreadful affair is the theme of conversation in every social community in the country. That's from a Kentucky newspaper. Well, you can think about the gossip. Oh, well, he was he was right to do so. And I, actually, the insanity plea works on this one, doesn't it? I yes. mean, if I would be enraged if there was a woman out there waving her hanky at you. <laughs> <laughs> After surrendering to the police, he hired a crack legal team to defend him, and that included James T. Brady and Edward M. Stanton, who is a renowned trial lawyer. If his name sounds familiar, he later became Secretary of War for Abraham Lincoln. The defense painted the congressman as a sympathetic and wholesome husband and father claiming blind rage and jealousy had driven the congressman briefly mad. Not totally mad, but briefly mad. (laughs) The judge instructed the jury consider the congressman's state of mind at the time of the shooting and after deliberating for a little more than an hour. Wow. The jury returned a not guilty verdict. Did they get divorced? They actually reconciled later, believe it or not. Oh, did they? But she didn't last long. Teresa never fully recovered from the scandal. She died of tuberculosis Uh, in 1867 at the age of 31. 31? She was like 28, 29 when this happened. Okay. Sickles went on to become a brigadier general. He lost a leg at Gettysburg. He served as a diplomat, and he was instrumental in making Gettysburg Battlefield a national park. But there you have it. A politician was the first person to get off on a murder charge by pleading temporary insanity. But just the whole little idea of putting little white strings out or flashing (laughs) a little white handkerchief, it seems so silly, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, it does. Until he was shot dead. And then it wasn't funny anymore. Anymore. Okay. All right, Bob. U.S. geography. Something you know and love. Okay. What two rivers in the U.S. have names that mean big river? Big River. Mississippi, I think, means Big River. Mm -hmm. The Mississippi is Algonquin for Big River. And then what is the other Big River? Big River, Big River. 
Is the, it the Ohio River, a big river? No. Okay, what's the other one? It's the Rio Grande. Oh, yes, of course, the and, large river. Yeah, it almost just says it. And the Rio Grande in Spanish means big river. There so you go. There's the two big rivers. And they're still called the Big River River and yeah, the Big River right. River. That's exactly right. Okay, that was short. All right, moving on to another topic, apparently, Bob. Apple's iPhone 15 is becoming too hot to handle. I heard about this. Did you? Yeah. So the phone is overheating, and Apple is blaming who for the problem? The people using it. <laughs> well, I don't know who. No. Uh, they say that popular programs such as Instagram and Uber apps are causing the problem. Oh, Instagram and yeah, Uber both apps. Of, both of which are no problem on my phone, which mm. which is not Apple. For the record, they are rolling out updates to fix this for the Apple people so it doesn't burn a hole in your pocket. Wow. <laughs> yeah, isn't it odd? It is odd. Yes. Okay, Marcia, here's a question for you. Yes. What song has earned millions of dollars for the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts of America? Well, you got me. This is a royalty thing. A royalty Royalty thing. Really? They get royalties for this? What song has earned the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts millions of dollars? There's a song that both of them relate to? Yes. It's a patriotic song. Oh, it is? I'll give you a hint. It was written by Irving Berlin. Oh. And it's not in your Easter bonnet. (laughs) It is. It is. God bless America. God bless America. That's right. Irving Berlin set up a trust so that all the royalties from his song, God Bless America, would be donated to the Boy Scouts That's and the Girl Scouts. Wonderful. Isn't that wonderful. I didn't great? know that. So far, the song has earned the Scouts over $10 million, and it's not due to enter the public domain until 2034. What a great idea. Born in Russia, Irving Berlin was an American immigrant who became a millionaire by writing songs in Broadway shows. Yes. That's wow. a great gift to give to your country, oh, isn't it? I, I never thought of that. You could bequeath the royalties to a young, deserving American group. Isn't that, that great? Yeah. He was very grateful for the United States. He was. He and was a grateful American immigrant citizen. Yes. Absolutely. There were a lot of them. Yes. And there still are. Okay, Bob. This year, you might have missed the passing of James Frank Kotira, JFK, He's the man who created the world's heaviest ball of twine. Oh, no, I missed that one. In northern Wisconsin. Oh, dear. you got to read more in the local paper. I guess. The town rallied together to have the ball towed to be on display near the... Near the Highland Town Hall. Just the idea of having the ball towed. I'm thinking of being kicked. You <laughs> oh, know. It, it had to be towed. It okay, was towed expensive with a, tow, dollars. a tow truck, you're talking. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so the question for you, Bob, is how heavy is this ball of twine? The biggest ball of twine. No, the heaviest the ball heaviest of twine. The heaviest ball yes. of twine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's say it's uh, 5,000 pounds. It's 24,100 pounds. Holy cow, that's 20. over 12 tons. That's why the whole town had to pitch in to uh, have this sucker move to some place to preserve it. Oh, God. And people do come to see it from all over the world. So it's sort of a tourist thing and right next to the township hall. And so this guy, Bob, people would just come to him after a while when he started the project and bring him little pieces of twine. Uh-huh. He weighed each piece of twine he added. Why? So he could know how much the ball finally weighed. It was too heavy to put 
put on the scales. Oh, I see. Okay. So he carefully measured. He kept weighing it, then yeah. it added up all that. Okay. Yeah, before he added it to the ball. Wow. Anyway, he died this year. So. And his JFK was his initials. Yeah. How American. May he rest in peace. Okay, Marcia. <laughs> Speaking of American, Benjamin Franklin was quite an American, he wasn't he? He surely was. Here's the question. Did Benjamin Franklin actually propose the turkey as the national bird instead of the bald well, eagle? Well, that's what I read to believe. That's what we all thought, right? Uh-huh. Well, Britannica.com states there is no record that Benjamin Franklin ever promoted it's that. It's false news. No evidence. He promoted the turkey as the national bird over the bald eagle. However, he did say what he thought about each bird. We look up to the bald eagle, but Franklin described it as a bird of bad moral character. <laughs> what, it didn't go to church? <laughs> <laughs> he does not get his living honestly. He is too lazy to fish for himself. On the other hand, he felt the turkey was, quote, a much more respectable bird. He admitted the turkey could be a little vain and silly. Nevertheless, he described it as a bird of courage. But apparently that's as far as he went. <laughs> he didn't say, let's make this one the know. national symbol. Well, the birds, the turkeys we see out, they look scary. They're very prehistoric looking. They do look very strange. They're the strange eagle looking looks birds. mean, but very noble. Okay, a noble, mean bird. Yeah. Okay. In my Turkeys look strange and silly. In my opinion. Prehistoric, silly prehistoric. Okay, Bob. Okay, that's weird. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Who was the first lady to get the title? First lady. Oh, that's a good question. First lady. So it wasn't um, that way from uh, the Martha beginning? Washington, huh? No, she wanted to be called Lady Washington. Lady Washington. Yeah. Okay. It must have been somewhere along the line. Was it after the Civil War? 1849. Okay, no. So it's before the Civil War. So it must have been William Henry Harrison's wife. No, it was Dolly Madison. Dolly Madison. It was, okay. And it was used in her eulogy. Oh, that's where it came from. Yeah, her eulogy. Before that, they were called, like I said, Lady Washington, Mrs. I love this, Presidentress. Presidentress. I <laughs> and, love that. Uh, and some others were called Mrs. President. But Dolly got a, a shout out in her eulogy that called her the first lady, and that stuck for all the ladies to come after. Well, she saved the big White House portrait of George Washington, saved a lot of the things yeah. in the White House. They packed it all up because yeah. they were leaving because the British were coming. Yeah. yeah, good for her. She was quite a gal. She was quite a person. All right, Marcia, why did Belgium recently destroy 2,300 cases of American beer? Say it ain't so. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Joe. Yes. In 2023, Belgium Customs seized and destroyed 2,352 cans of Miller High Life. Oh, and our local beer, too. Why? Why uh, would they destroy Miller High Life? Well, if, uh, Think was, about it. Think about it, Marsha. Give it some thought. Tax. What is it known as? But the High Life beer, the champagne of bottled beer. Is uh -huh. it the word champagne? The word champagne. Oh, because of France. And the European Union. Only beverages from the Champagne region of France can use the term champagne. Oh, my gosh. Now, uh. you might say, well, what? Hasn't Miller been using that slogan for yeah. a long time? Yes. Yes, they have since 1906. <laughs> I believe it, yes. That's when they introduced Miller High Life as the champagne of bottled beers. Yeah. When they went into cans in 69, they just shortened that to the champagne of beers. Uh-huh. Didn't the company know that would be a problem, no, that slogan? Of course they didn't. Yes, they did. <laughs> oh, they did. They, they don't export Miller High Life to Europe. 
Well, how did they wind up with it? Somebody in Germany ordered it, and on the way there, the shipment was intercepted by Belgium customs officials in Antwerp. They alerted the EU Trade Association. Oh, for God. The slogan is incompatible with their rules, which make it clear that goods infringing on a protected designation of origin can be treated as counterfeit. So the Belgian officials crushed 2,352 cans with the champagne of beer slogan. Oh, that's too bad. That's that. That's a decent beer for the, an American beer. The EU Trade Association paid for the destruction. They use one of those machines that just crushes the cans. It reported the destruction was carried out, quote, with the utmost respect for environmental concerns. <laughs> Both contents and containers were recycled in an environmentally oh, responsible well, that's, manner. that's important. Now, Frederick Miller, who founded the Miller Brewing Company in the 1850s, was a German immigrant, (laughs) and they can't ship his beer back to Germany. Isn't that weird? Anyway, that's why the officials destroyed 2,300 cases of American beer recently. I wonder who ordered it and why. Somebody from Germany, an individual party, and Uh then they they talked to them, and they said, okay, never mind. They knew they were doing the wrong thing. And they paid for it and had to be destroyed. That's right. Wow. That would never stand in this country. (laughs) I ordered that. It's mine. (laughs) Time for a break. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the 200th episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. 200. Hard to believe. Okay, Boomer. I'm Robert Rickman, host of OK Boomer with Robert. Yes, we like to enlighten you with colorful features, Boomer news, Boomer history, but we will also mystify you. And this one coming up in 24, that's going to be really creepy. That's an astronomer standing at ground zero where the 2017 and 2024 eclipse paths will cross over Carbondale, Illinois, the home of OK Boomer with Robert. And you can find OK Boomer with Robert wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marcia Smith. We do this every week for the Cedarburg Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin's Internet Radio Station. It goes out over podcast platforms all over the world after that. Okay, Marcia, back to this 200th episode thing. Yes. I got on kind of a jag. I was on the web trying to find out what would be the word we would use for 200. Centennial means 100, but that usually means 100 years. Bicentennial means 200, but most people associate that with years. Then I saw a thing called the 200 Club. Of course, I clicked on it. (laughs) Interestingly, it's about some of the most famous shows on TV history, only went 200 episodes and not much more than that. Now, of course, ours is just a two-person show, and it's audio only, but we have to research, write, perform, edit. You know, there's effort that goes into it. So I thought you might find this interesting. Frasier, Murder, She Wrote, and Married with Children, those are big, big shows in TV history. Everybody remembers them. None of them made more than 264 episodes. Wow. MASH, Happy Days, Andy Griffith and Friends, they never went beyond 250. And then the Lone Ranger, the Waltons, all in the family, they all average 200. So my point is, few performers ever get a chance to do more than 200 of anything. But we did. Well, we've done 200. Well, next week we Yeah, next week we'll go beyond. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I thought that was good, and it's great to be in that company. Yes, it is. All right, what you got for your 200th anniversary question? (laughs) Boy, it makes you feel old, doesn't it? 200th anniversary. anniversary My question that. is this. <laughs> How much longer, Bob? <laughs> the Declaration of Independence. Here's a quickie. Here's a gift for you, Bob, Okay. For the anniversary gift. So I can imitate some of the founders, what no. they sounded like, <laughs> their <laughs> yeah, accents? You can make up whatever you want for them. <laughs> 
The Declaration of Independence guarantees three unalienable rights. What are they? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There you go. Just making sure you remembered. All right, good. Time for a new segment. What is it? Who said it? Okay. <laughs> this is a, another one of your uh, favorite things. Not who done it, but who said it. Who said it? These are all presidents, okay? Okay. I'll give you the quote and you tell me the guy. All right, I'll try. All right. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Abraham Lincoln. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. No, that's Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shoot, I thought I had you. Thomas Jefferson, of that course. That is correct. Declaration of Independence. That is correct. Okay. The presidency is not a bed of roses. That is John Adams, I think. Ah, no. No? James Polk. Oh, really? Number three. The government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. That's Lincoln. That's Lincoln. Sorry. Speak softly and carry a big stick. Teddy Roosevelt. The world must be made safe for democracy. Woodrow Wilson. Very good. The business of America is business. Harding. Warren G. Harding. No. Calvin Coolidge. That's it. Okay. I knew it was one of those. I didn't get that 20s one. guys. Yeah. <laughs> How about a chicken in every pot and <laughs> a car in every garage? My grandma used to talk about this. Really? Yes. They were big Hoover supporters. And then the Depression hit. And it was like, well, he kept saying prosperity is around the corner. Well, yeah. it never came no, around the corner. Get that. And that was his uh, That was his chicken every pot. And yeah. what, what was the rest of it? Uh, and a car in every garage. That was one of the campaign promises, no. essentially. That went on to haunt him. Just like, uh, who was it that said, read my lips, no new taxes, Bush, the, the elder? That's right. <laughs> That's exactly. Right. Uh-huh. And uh, he had to raise taxes. Here's one of my favorites. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That, of course, is FDR. Correct. We must guard against the unwanted influence of the industrial segment. That was uh, Eisenhower. That's it. Very good, because you and I are very cognizant of that quote. It was, to be exact, we must guard against the unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. Yes, because during he, his time, it had grown into an industry, and yeah. it had never been that way yeah. before. and it scared him. And he was saying, beware, be aware. And he was a general, and it scared him. Yeah. That's the fascinating Five star. thing. Ask not what your country can do for you, buddy. JFK. That is correct. The buck stops here. That was Harry Truman. That's it. Had Very that good. on his desk yeah. as a sign. Yeah, we'll stop with those. The buck stops here. <laughs> All right, Marcia, a question from Britannica.com. How is the highest point on Earth not Mount Everest? This is an interesting one. How is the highest point on Earth not Mount Everest? And it doesn't have to do with one of those uh, volcanoes that's in the ocean that goes all the way to the top. It's not that. It's, it's not a man-made building. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, yeah, it couldn't be that. How is uh, the highest highest point okay. on Earth not Mount Everest? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You're thinking. I don't know. Eh. Oh, wait. Let me space. repeat the question, Marsh. <laughs> How is the highest point on Earth not Mount Everest? I don't know. It's because of the Earth's rotation, Marsha. It makes it thicker around the middle than from top to bottom. Then what mountain is the highest point on Earth? An ice-capped, inactive, double volcano in Ecuador, Mount Chimborazo. It's almost 7,000 <laughs> feet farther from the center of the Earth than the peak of Mount Everest. So this is a physics or Earth science thing that nobody would notice but scientists. The highest point on Earth is Ecuador's Mount Chimborazo. Okay. And that's from a legitimate source, Britannica.com. That is? That is what? Legitimate. Yes. <laughs> 
Bob, in 1900-ish, architect Frank Lloyd Wright declared what city as hell with the lid off? <laughs> <laughs> he declared a certain city as hell with the lid off? Uh-huh. Is it a large city? Uh-huh. Is it in the, let me see here, is it in the middle United States? Nope. Is it in the eastern United States? Yep. Is it in New Jersey? Nope. Okay, where is it? It is Pittsburgh. Oh, no kidding. Beginning of the 20th century, it boasted about having 14,000 smokestacks. Can you imagine? Yes, it did. And there was soot in that city day and night. Would be, All the steel mills. Would be just floating around in the air constantly. So he called it hell with the lid off? Yeah, with the <laughs> lid off. Exactly. What, did he have customers there and he probably hated working there I don't or something? know. That, I just thought that was funny. Okay, well, here's one that goes along with that. For me to wrap up the show today, what country has the nickname Land of Fire and Ice? What country? And I'll give you choices here. Okay. Is it Russia? Is it Iceland? Is it Norway? Is it Greenland? I'll say Greenland. No, it's not. Iceland. Iceland, yes. Okay. Yes, as TravelTrivia.com suggests, the land of fire and ice sounds like a place straight out of Game of Thrones, so it's no wonder Iceland is home to several of that show's favorite filming locations, and the country is a land of extremes. Fiery springs exist alongside massive ice sheets. It's got volcanoes and famous glaciers. Okay. So it's known as the land of fire and ice. Volcanic eruptions disrupt the island at least once each decade. I didn't realize that and build up its rocky terrain while glaciers form ice caves and lagoons over much of the country. So the nickname fits. Land of fire and ice, that's Iceland. Moving on, I've got two quickies here. Feminist icon Susan B. Anthony Yes. was referring to what when she said, this has done more to emancipate women than anything else in the world. This has done more to emancipate women? Yeah. What is she referring what to? What is she talking about? Yeah. Is it the vote? Nope. Is it birth control? No. What is it? Bicycling. Oh, my goodness. Yes, <laughs> she, that was considered a big suffragette hobby, more or less, well, bicycling. She, she rejoiced every time she saw a woman ride by on a wheel. She called it the wheel. It was a picture of a free and untrammeled womanhood. It, it did. It, it gave, exuded freedom. It gave people mobility, but it gave women mobility. Yeah. yeah they couldn't afford cars, but they yeah. could afford a bicycle, you know? Uh-huh. Okay, here, here's a quick. 1957, Bob. The first toilet appeared on American TV sitcom. <laughs> what show is it? Dennis the Menace. No, you watch this show. Oh, was it uh, Ozzy and Harriet? No. Was it uh, Mr. Ed? No. Was it a comedy? Yes. Was it was it? a sitcom. It yeah. was a sitcom. Okay, it must have been Andy Griffith. No. Wait, what was it? It was Leave It to Beaver. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> that scamp, Beaver and Wally, bought a pet alligator and they hid it in the toilet tank. Oh, so, that's funny. So, yeah, toilet on TV for the first time. Little alligator in the toilet in the tank. The toilet tank. They went into the bathroom. Oh, my so. goodness. Isn't that funny? That is the first showing of it. Wow. Well, with this being the conclusion of our 200th episode, we want to thank all those people over the past four years who have contributed to the show. We've had many people call in, write, send us books recently. We had that. And a lot of folks listening that have been friends of ours for years and new friends as well. So we want to say thanks to lots, all of you. Lots of new friends, which is very exciting. And from all over the world. There you go, Marsh. <laughs> we got it in. Okay. Got a thing to wrap us up there? Uh, yes, Bertrand Russell. War does not determine who is right, only who is left. All right. And then on a lighter note, by an unknown, anonymous person, the human brain is awesome. 
It functions 24 hours a day from the day we are born and only stops when we are taking an exam or falling in love. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, especially the latter one. I I don't Uh, mean not not uh, present company accepted, of course, but uh, all right, that's it for today. Thanks for being here for our 200th anniversary. Oh, the fireworks are going off again, Mark. Uh, Oh, my eye. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please join us again next time. Ah, <laughs> my hair is starting on fire. When you hear our theme music, you know you're with us. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marsha Smith. You've been listening to The, the Off Ramp. Oh, there's a big one. <laughs> you silly man. You silly, silly man. The Off Ramp oh. is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.